to the Harker Alumni Podcast. I'm your host, Karin Loda. Today, I'm speaking with Corey Gonzalez, a graduate of the Harker class of 2015. Corey tells me about his experience as a student at Harker, his journey from Harvard to investment banking to a tattoo studio, and what he's discovered about himself along the way. Corey, welcome to the Harker Alumni Podcast. How are you doing today? Not bad. Um, pretty chill day. I'm at the studio right now. Um, yeah, happy to to be able to talk to you. Thanks. Appreciate you taking the time. We'll get back to what kind of studio you're at, um, but let's rewind and go back to Harker. Um, when did you start at Harker? What grade? And what are some of your earliest, earliest memories of being an Eagle? I started at Harker in kindergarten, if you can believe that. So I'm a lifer. Um, honestly, some of my earliest memories were, were uh, nap time. Oh, I remember going to Tokyo in middle school with the Tamagawa Exchange. Mm. That, was an, that was an amazing time and, and one of my favorite early memories with Harker. Um, yeah, there's many more, but those are some of the early ones that come to mind. Yeah, certainly diverse experiences from nap time to Tokyo. <laughs> um, I just to sure. kind of pull it up to high school, which is, of course, much later than kindergarten. Um, do you remember some of the interests or activities that you pursued in high school beyond things you might be doing in the classroom? Yeah, for sure. I was a big time, like athletic uh competitor athlete i guess Mm -hmm. um i was i was really into long distance running so i did cross country and track and that was kind of my thing i was really obsessed with it i would run like 70 80 miles a week back then um yeah basically all my free time was was dedicated towards this goal of of getting faster across somewhat long longer distances do you recall when you were pursuing running if it felt like it was for you it was your passion or were you at sometimes maybe thinking about how it might look on a college application I think at first it was definitely something I was passionate about like like before I before I became good at it essentially mm. And then once I realized I was like competing at a more elite level, I started to put a lot more pressure on myself uh, to get recruited, to get noticed by certain coaches, um, to earn whatever accolades and achievements I could through running. Um, so that all that started to weigh me down. And I think honestly, by the time I was a senior I was pretty burnt out from it all I didn't even do track my senior spring I was so burnt out I just Mm. I stopped enjoying it basically um versus when I had started I was doing it just just because it was fun yeah what what do you attribute to that to uh, you mentioned the pressure, you know, and I I can imagine that is associated with lots of things people experience in high school. Um, but what do you think it felt like to run when you were 
younger, let's say you were 14 or 15. And then what did it feel like to run when you were 17 or 18? Like even just in that act of running, like what do you think was changing in your experience of it? When I was four, 14, 15, like early high school, um, I didn't really know my potential, but I just loved pushing myself and also the experience of running in some really beautiful places. You know, Northern California has some of the best trails, I think, in the world for running. So I spent a lot of time out on those trails. And yeah, I think I just enjoyed the pure experience of being out in nature and putting one foot in front of the other while pushing myself. Um, I think through high school, as, as high school continued, um, people start to talk and think more about what's coming next, i.e. college. And I think it was somewhat inevitable that running for me would start to become this vehicle almost for me to like get into a really good college because it was something I could excel at. And I think there became this pressure to just be like generally excellent at things that I did, but I don't know that there was necessarily much purpose behind it all at the time that that um, more internal desire to just push myself and put one front one foot in front of the other um, turned into me striving for these more external goals and we'll get to the actual experience of you being in college but um after graduating, you first took a gap year and went to South America. Um, what do you remember about that choice, um, about deciding to take that year for yourself before you went to college? Mm. Yeah, again, I think I was just pretty burnt out in general. And the burnout extended beyond just running. I think for me, high school was a real pressure cooker experience. L largely due to pressure that I put on myself, but environmentally as well you know there there's something about being surrounded by so many high achievers that all kind of want the same thing um that made it quite stressful for me at times in high school so yeah i was just pretty burnt out from it all um i wanted to escape the myopia of Silicon Valley and more broadly the Bay Area. So that along with the fact that I could speak pretty good Spanish, which I learned at Harker, by the way, but the fact that I could speak pretty good Spanish kind of led me to wanting to do this adventure in South America. And it was also kind of this coming of age thing for me. Like I wanted to prove to myself that that I could figure out a way essentially from Peru down to the southern tip of the continent um, 
Tierra del Fuego. So uh, again, maybe it was like somewhat goal oriented, but it was also it was also uh, quite quite fun and and freeing, and and that was probably one of the best years of my life, I would say. Sounds like a big flip from some of the things you're describing in terms of burnout to the the experience of that gap year, and I imagine that really changed sort of what you might have been feeling when you enrolled in college, um, where you went to Harvard. Um, just having to be able to take a step away from that burnout, I imagine. Yeah, definitely. It was very, very necessary for me at the time. And I think it, I think it gave me a healthy dose of perspective um, about the different ways that we can live and get by and and be happy as humans. Um, I I just I just knew it would be bad for me to jump from one bubble in the Bay Area to another, um, which would be college. Um, yeah, I I just I needed that perspective flip, I guess. So you mentioned humans and perspective, and you ended up focusing on that in a way in college where you did anthropological research, uh, and your research was on indigenous shamans in Peru. Um, what drew you to that topic? How was it connected to your uh, year abroad? Um, and how do you think your research affected you as a scholar and as a person? So I have always been interested in different forms of religion, and spirituality and the way we humans access the divine i i kind of see it as 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 a need of ours actually and i don't want to get too dramatic but i do believe that we live in a period of somewhat spiritual vacancy in that there seem to just be fewer points of access to the divine that I see, at least. Mm. And I think there are a lot of reasons for this, but, you know, we live in a time of scientific materialism, so that has certain consequences, I think. That's not to say that you can't find spirit given these circumstances that we live in. Uh, I think like, I think like Burning Man, for example, is, is a great example of, of like us trying to access this thing that like all humans across time have had access to given the constraints of our contemporary society or not even constraints, just like conditions. Um, so this ties into my research in college because when I was traveling in South America right before college, I had come across ayahuasca, which is this hallucinogenic brew made out of vines that grow in the Amazon. And 
it, it's it's highly highly hallucinogenic uh the active ingredient is dmt which is probably one of the most powerful molecules out there um in terms of psychoactivity um but yeah there's tons of medical applications or not medical medicinal applications for this and those i was curious at, curious about um not so much from like a scientific perspective but more from a cultural perspective of like why is why is there a tourism industry booming for ayahuasca shamanism is per, in peru like what are we healing from and after going to Peru myself and conducting some anthropological research, including participating in multiple ayahuasca ceremonies, it's clear to me that this is another area of us trying to heal through finding the divine. Um, and yeah, I think it really has affected me because, um, I mean, I, I don't, I don't follow any organized religion. I don't even know if I would consider myself a spiritual person even, or I don't know if I want to carry that label, I, I guess, but I recognize the importance of, of this connection to some something bigger than ourselves and I guess I've always tried to cultivate that in my life ever since um so you graduated in the summer 2020 um which again would bring a lot of I imagine unique perspectives on on what it means to be a graduate institution and to enter the workforce at a time when the world is closing in uh, on itself. Mm -hmm. And then after that, you worked as an investment banking analyst at Morgan Stanley, which to the point about materialism you made earlier seems very much aligned with that. Um, for those mm -hmm. who might be unfamiliar with the college job recruiting process, how does someone with interests like you and a perspective like you end up working in a profession like that? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I was just so lost. Um, I, I think, I think, my my scope was even then still quite narrow in terms of what I viewed as possible for myself. And I think I was even a little bit cynical at the time, especially like, like, oh, like, oh, this is just how the world that we live in is so i'm just gonna make my money and and retire early and that's gonna be my strategy um but yeah pretty quickly i i realized how that plan was so not for me and the importance of aligning what you do in your day-to-day -day with some kind of internal 
passion or drive or, or whatever. Um, not to sound cliche, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think like I saw, I saw people around, like everyone around me was, was recruiting for like these, these big banks and these big like consulting firms and, and, and tech companies. And they offer you these like big salaries that you've never seen before. So yeah, me not really knowing what I wanted to do, that just felt like a logical step because these jobs also market themselves as being like prestigious and whatnot. And like, oh, you can do anything afterwards, which is maybe somewhat true, but but I think that's also always true. I think we can always do anything that we set our minds to. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm making any sense. No, you're, I think you are. I think that there's something about the draws of name brand institutions when you're already at a name brand institution that it sort of feels like the inevitable journey, right? Going from a place like Harvard to a place like Morgan Stanley, especially when a lot of people around you are doing that. But for you, that journey was only about a year and a half. Um, towards the end of 2021, you left Morgan Stanley. Um, how, what do you remember thinking about at that point and, and going through that decision to exit that career and to think about a new pursuit? What, what made you ready to take that big step? Man, I was just depressed. I was pretty depressed, to be honest, by that point. Um, my my future at that point looked looked pretty bleak. Uh, I looked at the people above me and I didn't want to be any of them or like any of them. Um, I hated my, I hate a strong word. I, I, I really did not enjoy my day-to-day work. So yeah, I, I was just depressed. And then I also think I'm a bit, I'm a bit arrogant or like I have a little bit too much self-respect, I guess maybe to be okay just working under those sorts of conditions. Um, and I was always told in college and whatnot that that it just gets better. Like you, you do your time and it'll get better. You'll get paid way more and you'll have to work less, blah, blah, blah. But at least from what I saw, I didn't totally buy that. I think it changes as you progress along those sorts of career paths. But I think the that that grind, that that uh that grind that just like grated against my soul never stops along those paths in my opinion and so yeah i was just coming from a pretty desperate place and i needed an out and i was getting really into like getting tattoos at the time that's where all my like bonus money was going from my banking job i was just getting these like expensive tattoos and Basically, I hit it off with 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 uh, one of my favorite artists, my favorite artist, really. And he knew all about me because we spent a lot of time together on tattoos. 
um, and he knew I was looking for something else. So he basically offered to to show me how to get started on, along the path of learning how to be a tattooer. And from where I was at, it was it was just a no brainer. Like, of course, I'm gonna take this path. It's like it's like if Beyonce. It's like if you want to be a singer and like Beyonce like offers to take you under her wing. It's like, of course, even if you even if you've never sung in your life, like of course you're gonna do that. So so that was me. Um yeah, and I haven't looked back since. Yeah, it's hard to turn down the Beyonce of of tech of the tattoo world for sure. Um and interestingly, you're now an apprentice, which, you know, on one hand that to me recalls the medieval era, right? To have an apprentice to a craftsperson. And yet, like based on what we've been talking about, it feels like there's a divergence between this like modern scientific materialism and then, you know, indigenous shamans and perhaps this, uh, you know, being an artist's apprentice. Um, I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but but how do you see kind of that that branching in your own life, like comparing Morgan Stanley in the material world to this much more sort of maybe human or somewhat ancient art? Yeah, for sure. There definitely is something more old world about this mentor apprentice uh, relationship. Um, to quickly give a little bit more background, um, so I was being taught by that artist I mentioned sort of informally for like a year and a half or so. And then he ended up opening his own studio. He was working for a big studio uh, in New York, Bang Bang, uh, previously. But now, but, but then he opened up his own studio and that gave me like a place to be. And then I could become a more formal apprentice that way. Um, so that's just how that happened. Well, yeah, there's definitely this more old world feel to this mentor-apprentice relationship. I, I think it's the best model for learning. Um, but it's I also think it's hard to get right. I think I see a lot of like, it's hard to find a really good mentor, basically. And I think I'm very, very lucky to have found one. Um, and, and I think a true mentor is someone who you don't just look up to for their mastery of the craft they do or their artistry, but above all, it's, it's what they embody and who they are as a person. Because you end up spending so much time with them that inevitably your personalities are going to kind of converge to some degree. Uh, at least I found that sort of being the case uh, for me. So yeah, it's hard, it's hard to get right. Um, but to your point, it is, this much more human way of 
connecting and like really getting to know yourself um, through this person who kind of serves as as your mirror at times um, in the sense that they point out a lot of the flaws or things that you need to work on that that maybe you don't see. Yeah, it's just much more personalized and, and tailored at that point. And then at the end of the day, you're like also really good friends. So you enjoy each other's presence. And yeah, it's just it's just a totally different. And, and there's 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 trust as well. It's like I'm not like being told what to do. You know, it's like I do what I want. And if if my mentor feels like it's not serving me or like it's not the best use of my time, like he'll tell me, but he doesn't tell me what to do. And that's like a huge difference for me um, versus what I, what I used to do where I feel like I was just being told by someone else um, what to do. And again, I, I don't know, just, made my personality I just I'm not really suited for that way of working I I love I love the apprenticeship model and I I wish I saw it in more places I mean, now that you've been in that model and now that you've gone through the experience of college and then working in an investment bank and now working in a tattoo studio what have you discovered about yourself as a learner uh, since leaving Harker and maybe even about yourself as an individual that might be surprising to those who knew you during high school? Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm always trying and I'm in the process of becoming more of a doer. I think most of my kindergarten through college education was largely cerebral. It was an education of my mind, mainly. Um, but now I'm working with my hands. Um, you know, you can, you can watch as, as many YouTube videos as you want of proper tattoo shading technique but ultimately the only way to learn it is by just doing it over and over and over again so I'm really trying to become somebody who who learns by doing by actually taking action and and making mistakes along the way but learning from those and being able to tell myself well I actually tried and that's all that matters um, you know what matters is that I did it not not the outcome because the good outcomes that I want they're just naturally going to come through iteration and perseverance and doing 
the practice over and over again. So now that you're almost a decade removed from being a student at Harker, what advice would you give to Eagles currently in high school about navigating the opportunities, but also the uncertainties that lie beyond 500 Saratoga Avenue? I think my advice would be to stay open to the world and its possibilities. All of these quote unquote prestigious colleges are overrated. Trust me, I did not need to go to Harvard to do what I do now, but I'm the happiest I've been possibly ever doing what I do now. Um, Believe in yourself and the power of consistent hard work and dedication and you really, really can go anywhere you want. I think we're really excited to see where you go, Corey, and uh, appreciate you taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Of course, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me.